You're listening to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables podcast devoted to new Star Trek. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined today by my uh, often, well, all the time co-host, Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? All the time is a lot of pressure, Scott. Uh, it's, it's good to, it's good to be here. Um, and, uh, and we have a guest this week. Yes. We have our first guest on Vulcan Hello. That's right. That's why I stumbled over your introduction, Jason, you're, because I was like, I you're going to skip ahead to the guest and not introduce me is what you were going to do. I saw, I know. <laughs> I, I apologize. But now we should introduce our guest, uh, Brianna Wu. Brianna, thank you for joining us. I'm so thrilled to be here, not just because it's the incomparable, because this Star Trek episode is so freaking good. Mm. I'm so psyched. There's no episode of Star Trek I would want to come on and talk about more than this one. Well, it's it's episode two, Maps and Legends, and I just want to mm-hmm. check in, Scott. Of course, our sponsor for this whole season of Picard is the New Mexico Tea Company, and guess what? We got another tea scene, so we're doing pretty good because <laughs> Picard serves tea. We get we get some t- we get a tray smashes probably cups yes. full of tea, and then later Picard serves tea to Doctor Gerardi, um, and she chooses Earl Grey, which means he knows that mm-hmm. she's a good person because good people drink <laughs> Earl Grey apparently. <laughs> Uh, and, and we are brought to you by the good people at the New Mexico Tea Company. You can get 15% off and free shipping and 25% off varieties of Earl Grey when you use the code T Earl Grey Hot. And yes, they own the domain TEarlGreyHot.com. And in fact, if you go to TEarlGreyHot.com slash Captain's Collection, there's a sampler pack of all the different Earl Greys they have uh, with labels on them. Uh, and a brew and mug infuser. It's $40, but with the 25% off, it would be $30. I got this pack. Scott, you got this pack too. I had the chocolate, I, I had the chocolate Earl Grey today with some milk in it. It's really good. So if you like Earl Grey or you want to try to be like Captain, be more like Captain Picard. Come on. Uh, Do it. it's, uh, dot com or nmtco.com. Thank you for, uh, sponsoring us. And there, there, there's the sponsor. Now on with the show. <laughs> On with the show. Back now. Let's talk about Star Trek, uh, specifically the second episode of Star Trek Picard, as Jason has already stated. Uh, it's good to remind people they may have forgotten. You know, it's it's been so long <laughs> since we, we mentioned what we're going to talk about. So last uh, time we spoke, it was the first episode of Star Trek Picard, which was dedicated to, hey, you remember Jean-Luc Picard? You like this guy. He's old. Uh, it's sepia tones. He's dealing with uh, aging and uh, wacky things are happening. And now episode two, if I can kind of sum it up, is you need to know a lot of stuff before we get to any further. So here's a whole bunch of stuff about Romulans and Borg and androids that you need to know in order for the rest of the story to make sense. Yeah, it's a uh, lot. It's a lot of like, let's get you caught up in all the things that have been happening. Um, and it, and it starts with the the attack on Mars. We finally get to see it. They explained it to us. They they did a short trek about it. Then they explained it to us in dialogue last time. And this time we actually get to see. A, finally, a, though, it's only the second episode. Jason, be patient. Well, like, I, two episodes actually, in. I, I, I finally, say that, I say that because I feel like maybe this uh, this pre credit sequence here was at least they toyed with having it be the beginning of the show and then they moved it yeah. and it feels a little yeah. weird because they kind of describe it and then the next episode they show it and it's sort of like hmm, they could have just you know showed it earlier but they for whatever reason they decided not to so we get to hear the the a a, a uh, you know 
box, a, a room uh, with a roll-up door full of data-style <laughs> sort of androids, including one F8, um, among the many plastic people. And uh, what happens is exactly what uh, you know anybody who's seen a movie about robots uh, would expect, which is that they go uh, wild and they uh, and they kill everybody. And that's not yeah. that's not great, including good old F8, yep. who doesn't understand jokes, but does know how to kill you. <laughs> he does very efficiently. And uh, I was surprised that it was it was pretty violent. He uh, yeah. F8 takes, uh, like, a, I'm assuming some sort of mining tool and basically kills everyone in the room he's in, which is not good um, and, and is quite violent. I'm, I'm into new violent Star Trek. You've got Star Trek with the <laughs> F-bomb. They drop, mm-hmm. you know damn and hell just routinely can we say that on this podcast yeah you, we so. can say that just just bleep it if you have we'll to just avoid but, avoid the f-bomb but we do get two of those I, in this, I, in this jason so. i've gone to church i grew up in mississippi i've been to church quite a bit i can very easily avoid the f-bomb um so yes like it was uh i i this has a really mature tone i think uh than you know even enterprise if you if you watch it, if you watch Enterprise or even Voyager, it's it's kind of stunning how much more. I I don't want to say adult, but it's it's certainly mature, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's and it's not uh, something. I did watch the the uh, after show with Will Wheaton talking to Akiva Goldsman. And the thing that he said is, you know, their genre here is is drama, not action yeah. adventure. And although there is mm-hmm. some action and adventure, that they really are trying to have it be more of a a modern you know modern drama series and um it's on streaming and so the standards are different and yeah it's it's a it's a serious kind of thing and and yes there there's also swearing although i also really enjoy our first f f word that we get in this episode is from our irish uh, <laughs> romulan. romulan and so so she says and i'm going to say this and not believe it because it can't be uh dirty if it's irish she says cheek, cheeky feckers <laughs> I love, it. love I, it. I love it too. And I like the fact that, you know, hey, you know, these actors have accents. Uh, let's just embrace them. Sure. It doesn't matter. Her that it makes English no sense teacher that this was Irish. Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Well, Jean Luc is French and he has an English accent. And apparently, mm-hmm. I don't speak French, but uh, the French that he spoke last episode was apparently awful. So. <sighs> They, they don't uh, speak not... France in the in the twenty third century, twenty fourth century. I guess they just not. don't. They just don't, they do, don't it. do it. No, I thought and I so... thought that scene where the F eight you know re- rebels and kills all humans. Although he had a little thing, his eyes got all sparkly, which I think is a yes. a real question. Like maybe I mean something happened to him. He either got sent a message or he was hacked or you know I, I get the feeling like there's more to this story that the the revolt isn't even what we thought it was and what the Federation seems to think it was. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's out there is another thing. But I kept coming back, like we talked last week about Measure of a Man. Like, how did we get to this point where there's just a, you know, there are all of these kind of worker, Android worker drones on Mars? I find that really kind of concerning because how much are they like data and the fact that they're they're being used uh, you know, as workers, and then at the end of the day, they just kind of get put in their in their little room, and the the door rolls down, and then they just stand there and wait for the door to roll back up. It's not mm-hmm. good. It's not. I don't like no. that at all. And I well, thought it was interesting. You, oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, no I was just going to say, if you think uh, there was a Voyager episode where, uh, because the doctor was considered a failed That's product right. by the Federation, uh-huh. they actually took his matrix and made uh, him basically a. 
a, a like miner a, like, yeah, in like a very dangerous miner. place. Yeah. Right. And because they had that whole thing and they alluded at the end that there was a an uprising by, you know, synthetic individuals to get human rights despite all odds. I guess that failed. I guess we know how that storyline turned out now. That's very sad. Mm. Poor synthetics. Uh, yeah. But it was interesting to see the the crew of that uh, Utopia Planitia. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, well, it's the skeleton crew, building. right? Because they're, the they're, they're like crew, the people right? working and on Christmas. They're working on First Contact mm-hmm. Day. First Contact Day. Uh, <laughs> and how they treated F8. Uh, there was a variety of ways that they, they so one of them thought he was creepy. Uh, others were kind of, you know, nice to him, telling him jokes, uh, that kind of. So it was, it was just interesting to see the varying levels of comfort with the F8 in that particular room. And it made me think of Dr. Pulaski on the Enterprise and her oh. interactions with Data, because uh, she never really seemed all that comfortable with Data. So why you should be nice to your Alexa. That's right. <laughs> or just don't don't store mining equipment near Alexa, because no. you never know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. But now we, we, we go back to uh, Chateau Picard, where uh, Captain Picard, uh, who I continue to call Captain Picard, maybe I'll just call him Jean-Luc. Can I call him Jean-Luc? I don't know. Uh, is is hanging out with his Romulans. <laughs> and uh, now it's very useful. It is clear to me that, do we think they're, they're both former Tal Shiar or just uh, the woman? I don't, I think, I'm assuming I, I'm both. Not, I'm not even sure they're former. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they yeah. may currently be Tal Shiar. That's true. <laughs> And let me just say, I know I said this last time, but I love Romulans, and I am so happy that uh, the Tel Shiar, and an even more secretive version of the <laughs> Tel Shiar, is involved in this. Although I do find it concerning. So we find out that the, the, the I can't remember the, the character's name. Oh, no, uh, yes, it's, the, it's uh, yeah, Laris and, and uh, Zayn. Lara, yes. So she knows a lot of uh, very important things. Um, she does. Which is very convenient. Uh, and mostly she knows about this super secret organization that, you know, uh, there was a great line. She says, you know, oh, you know, the Federation, you think of the Tal Shiar as the secret police. But really, you could say secret about any aspect of Romulan society. There's an even more super secret mm. police uh, that is the, what is it? The, the Zadvash, the, the dead. Zadvash. Yes, uh, and they they have uh, a secret that if if you were to know it would drive you insane, uh, which is apparently they don't like synthetic things. So. Uh, there's some, there's something going on there. They do the CSI thing where they go back to where uh, where the murder happened in the in the last episode where the attack on uh, on our little android friend and her boyfriend uh, happened, mm-hmm. and they do, you know she does some scanning and more scanning, and there's a there's a great moment in there I liked where he's like, oh, you're using those Romulan techniques, they're not very reliable, and she says, aha, that's what we want you to believe. <laughs> like that was pretty great. That was pretty. I, her, her background, both of their backgrounds, is unclear, but very very much so. They have a lot of knowledge about Romulan society and, and are they, I I think this is one of the ways that the show, because the Romulan stuff happened after, you know, in the interregnum period here between shows, um, we don't know. And the show can like withhold information from us. And it totally is about what the deal is with what the present status of Romulan society. So like, how did they get there? What is their status? Are they part of some Romulan group? Are there multiple Romulan groups? Later, we get a reference to the Romulan Mm -hmm. Romulan free free state. state. Is that like, like it's, it's unclear. And the show 
doesn't want to tell us yet. It's withholding that information. Well, I think it's is, good. This is why I wanted to ask both of you because you're you're. I I will cede the floor to your knowledge of probably <laughs> TOS and TNG here. Are there any hints in any past Star Trek about this aspect of Romulan society being really against synthetic uh, life? Because I was scratching my head. No. It was like did they just pulled this out of thin yeah. air. Yeah, yeah, they. I, I think they just took advantage of the fact that we know very little about Romulans, even though they have been one of the uh, kind of iconic enemies of Star Trek. There's never really been a lot of delving deep into them, uh, as opposed to the Borg or Klingons. Uh, and so there's a lot of wiggle room there. And we like, right. we don't, we've seen ships like Romulan ships and on the bridge and things, but we've never seen them interact with their computers using voice techniques so i think someone just said well maybe that's because uh they hate ais and synthetics they hate everything so why not that but i do i do think it's a retcon but i think it's you know it's not it's not unsupported in the in the history but it's not a direct reference to anything that happened before but i think it's i mean very clearly i mean i'm interested in what both of you think about this but like it's it's very clear what cards this show is laying down in episode two which is we got the borg we've got Mm -hmm. androids we've got a romulan plot that may have some connections to the federation but it's kind of unclear exactly what those connections are um and you know so so the borg and androids and the romulans are like these are the these are the the things that have been laid down and we don't know all the connections yet but it's very clear like the romulans hate synthetics and they hate androids um the romulans are profiting from like borg technology research which is a a big a big chunk of this episode which i thought was pretty cool and um and but the federation also hates synthetics because of the attack on mars so there's this question of like does anybody like synthetics is it is is the end result of this story going to be that, that picard yeah that picard is basically rebelling against both the romulans and the federation who are trying to kill all these androids i don't know but like and we're not supposed to know at this point but i am fascinated that that's what it's setting up here is like the romulans are are kind of broken but they're still around and they still got stuff they can do and the federation is also against these things so i don't know you know, there's a conspiracy happening, but it's unclear exactly what it is, which I think is, I think that's good. I feel good about that because they got eight more episodes to tell me all about it. <laughs> well, and I think, I think that's why I'm so into this premise. I mean, I realize Discovery is a somewhat divisive Star Trek. Overall, I like Discovery, though I find it very uneven. I, what I really like about this show, though, is it, it seems very similar to Deep Space Nine in the sense that they are, they're telling a political allegory, right? Like, like, uh, Deep Space Nine is very clearly an allegory of after World War II and what happened. Um, you know, for this show, I, I love the fact that we're seeing a federation that isn't quite living up to its ideals and how that's falling apart with kind of, um, you know, frankly, prejudice being something that's built into the policy of the Federation. And I think wrestling with that, this is Star Trek at its best when it's it's real science fiction, like wrestling with these big themes. This is why we all love the television show. And I just, I, I feel like there's a grand story being told with Picard that, that, we really haven't felt in discovery to date. Uh, does that make sense? Yes. I, I mean, I think that they're, they're, they're trying to do different things, right? So discovery is like Jason said earlier, it's, uh, well, he, he said that the 
Picard is trying to be a drama, which I think is true. Uh, Discovery is much more in the vein of action adventure, right? So, but it also uses artificial intelligence as well. So does that, uh, will, will that hook up at any point? Who knows? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see what you're saying because this is, you know, if you think of the, the iconic Star Trek episodes, there are always ones that comment on some very clear present day problem, uh, right. in a, in a sci-fi way to, teach us a lesson or to take a stand on something. And so it's clear that the, the producers and writers of Picard are, are continuing that grand Star Trek tradition. Yeah, I like the idea of a federation that's falling short. Um, you know, and this is this is some of the the very best episodes of TNG, right? Like this, mm-hmm. it's clear this series is going to have a lot of throwbacks to Picard when he was assimilated by the the Borg. What was that uh, famous two part episode? The best of both spacing? worlds. Best of worlds. Right. Yes. Best of yeah. both worlds. You know, that was very much about kind of federation politics and the internal wrestling of ideals there. That's the same thing going on here. And I just, I don't know. It's just uh, this whole, this whole episode, I thought you're going to the Borg and, you know, you're, you're looking at this aspect of it and you, we're about to get to talking about this great showdown in the office that Picard has. I just love every mm-hmm. second of it. Yeah. I was going to mention, so he goes to Starfleet and has that awkward scene at the front desk where the very, very, <laughs> Ooh, very young person does not know who the heck he is. Um, <laughs> and then he goes up and, and talks to the, the admiral and, um, you know, she, she gives it to him. And what I like about it is, you know, we've been like, yeah, Picard's on the side of right, and Starfleet was stupid. And then we get her side of it, which is, right. all right, okay, you, Picard, you are taking the moral high ground here, but all of these things made it a much more complicated decision than you're giving me credit for. And and, and I mm-hmm. like that scene where she's just like, look, people in the Federation were going to, they were going to like back out of the Federation if we supported the Romulans. Everybody hates the Romulans. You know, we, we're trying to hold this thing together. Like, it was more than just making this one move. And I know you disagree with the decision made, but please don't paint this as you know we had a choice to be good and we chose to not be good because it was way harder than that and and i like that the echoes in there are like if we let the federation go people suffer if we you know it's not a zero-sum game where we either help the romulans or we don't it's like if we help the romulans other people get hurt and you can believe her or not believe her but i like that it's a complex issue and that the federation and the people in it are seen kind of grappling with these issues and saying it's not it's not that easy, Picard. And, you know, if, if it was that easy, we would have sided with you. And I, I just I think it's I think it's really a really good scene. She's not a villain. And you can see why she's she's exasperated. Even though she's standing in his way, she's exasperated with him. Uh, you get the sense of a, a track record there where they've been butting heads for a, a while now. And she thought she had gotten rid of him. <laughs> she did make it very personal, though, which yeah. I thought was very poor leadership. Like she's, she brought up the the media thing, which I thought that's fair, and I like that Picard had his feet held to the fire on that. Yeah. Not once, I apologize but twice for in that. this episode, <laughs> uh-huh. right? But Oops. but I, she did make it tremendously personal, and yeah. you know, yeah, for see, one admiral talking to another, I I I felt it was. I don't know. See, I, I got the I, feeling I, yeah. that it's it was already personal, right? Like that they okay. had gotten it had gotten personal in the past and so it was still personal, but you're right. I mean, we don't we don't know that history, so we have to read between the lines there. Has she been in another episode no. of cuz this nope. is where I was racking my brain again. She looks so familiar and I just couldn't place it. 
Well, and you can understand her too, right? So Captain, uh, Admiral Picard quit yeah. because he couldn't get his way. So he basically said, I'm taking my ball and going home. Mm-hmm. You get to fix this. And then right. he shows up so and says, oh, uh, I got my ball and I need a ship because uh, I'm doing this this thing that doesn't sound... It basically sounds insane uh-huh. uh, that there are these secret Romulan assassins. Now, stay with me. And they are here. They hate synthetics and they're trying to kill this android. And I want to find Bruce Maddox. I don't know where he is. Um, but, you know, I just need a small ship and a, and a crew, of course, because I'll, I'll be a captain. Oh, mm-hmm. and, and if, if, if uh, you don't want me to be an admiral, I'll be a captain. Uh, it's all fine. So where, where do I pick up my ship? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of a big ask. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that it's a it's an overreach that he's I mean, you gotta you gotta argue that maybe like you just walk in like you own the place and see what <laughs> see what happens. But um, you know, his his concept of like how he's gonna be you know, welcomed back now that he's got a mission <laughs> is you know, however much he believed that he is he is smacked down pretty quickly. Like they he's not yes. welcome at Starfleet. He's not welcome in Starfleet now. So he's gonna have to find Plan B, which I suspect <laughs> we're going to be spending a lot of time on Plan B the rest of the season, which is which I is which so. is yeah. uh, just fine. I want to mention, by the way, that scene where he walks through the little transporter gate. Um, the music there is so perfect. The, the, the music goes through the whole kind of like uh, um, Star Trek theme prelude, and then and segues <laughs> into a little bit of the Star Trek: The Next Generation theme. And like that's mm-hmm. one of those as he's walking to the lobby, and you see the the oh, original okay. Enterprise, and then you see the Enterprise <laughs> D, and like that is mm-hmm. that is a, the moment of like deep nostalgia and reference that that this episode allows, and I'm there for it. I love it. Yes. And it sets him up to be like, ah, I'm Jean-Luc Picard. I'm back. Everyone's going to just embrace me. And then, of course, it's undercut when he goes to the the, the front desk and he's like, and you are yeah, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, yeah. Um, another I, thing- I love that moment when uh, he, uh, after that guy says, you know, it's great to see you walking around, Admiral. Uh, and they just show uh, Patrick Stewart for like five seconds, just giving him a death stare and walking off. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it. It's, it's great. Um, before there's a scene before that that I want to at least bring up because we're not we're not really going in any particular order here and um, I kind of want to save the board cube stuff for the end but um, oh. but David Pamer appears uh, really <gasps> yes. great uh, really yes. great actor he is he is Doctor Benny Yoon who we are told was I guess he was the doctor on the USS Stargazer Picard's ship. Uh, first captaincy, which is great. I love that. Just like another continuity callback. Not a character ever mentioned before, but the Stargazer's been mentioned. We never really knew who the Doctor was, and here he is. And um, and w- what we get here is a little bit of a diagnosis, because this is Picard trying to get all the all the boxes checked before he walks into Starfleet. But what David Paymer tells him is that parietal lobe anomaly that they scanned him for in All Good Things, because in his mm-hmm. future in All Good Things, he had this aromatic syndrome um, that that uh and, and crusher scans his brain and says i could barely even find it i had to do like a level five scan to see it um i looked this up like the exact wording of it but um you know what what david pamer says is yeah you you do have that and i'm not quite sure what syndrome it is but whatever syndrome it is um they all end the same way so basically mm. picard has this this thing that has been hovering over him for all this time is coming due he does have this degenerative neurological condition it is going to affect him and he's not going to get better now it's star trek you never know but like it is a 
it is a moment that leads to him saying something great, which is, oh, so you still want to go on this adventure? Well, if you're lucky, maybe it'll kill you first. Um, <laughs> love the whole scene, but it is also ominous, right? Like Picard, that thing mm-hmm. that we were sort of threatened in all good things, here it is. It, you know, whether it's aromatic syndrome or something else, like it's real. He is not going to, you know, he's not going to last too long. Long enough for many seasons of Star Trek Picard, probably, but not beyond <laughs> that. I yeah. wonder if the Borg technology will somehow I, make an appearance in a future episode. I, 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 was, uh, I do wonder that myself. <laughs> um, I also wondered if maybe his Borg implants might have actually caused the anomaly. I, well, that's what I was That's what yes. I was thinking, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. Well, Borg implants can, can cause skin irritation. Yeah, uh, you might need some sort of uh, cream or lotion. Yes. Uh, anyway, I, I, I like I, I like the David Paymer thing and the feeling of uh, like you know you have characters that are of this age and you get that feeling of, like the long history and the kind of comfort between them mm-hmm. and I loved it. It was a great scene and uh, another uh, mention of tea. Although he says maybe he'll want something stronger, <laughs> stronger for this conversation. Yeah. Yes, and I will say I teared up a little in that scene because I knew basically he's saying you know you're dying, Jean Luc, and yeah. that's very sad. I don't want Jean Luc to die. Uh, yeah, you're, but, you know, you're, die, you're a so. healthy relic, but uh, that's right. <laughs> um, but, and now this is where we so they they have the big admiral show, showdown, mm-hmm. and uh, so she calls uh, the admiral calls a commodore, a Vulcan commodore, uh, commodore O, maybe is that right? Commodore O, o. something like that. Yep, uh, and says, "Hey, you'll never guess who was just in my giant office." Uh, and Commodore O also has an equally giant office. Uh, yeah, I guess Starfleet uh, Command they have big offices yeah, anyway on the ground floor. Uh, if you're a commodore, you have a ground floor <laughs> office with like a garden outside. <laughs> I guess so. Who knew? Uh, basically, she says, uh, Captain P- uh, Admiral Picard was here. He was telling me a whole bunch of stuff about some, you know, Bruce Maddox and synthetics and Romulan assassins. Uh, and, and Commodore O says, trust me, Admiral, if the Romulans were operating on Earth, I would know. And if I knew, you would know. And the rest of the Federation would know because that's completely unacceptable. Uh, but thank you for the heads up. And then she and hangs you... up and, and says, hey, Romulan officer hiding as a human, come over here. Come over here. You've screwed this up Conspiracy. royally. <laughs> so, it's Lieutenant. So this is Tamlin Tamita, by the way. It's good to see her. She's a, you may not have seen her, noticed her because of the the Vulcan makeup, but um, she is. I, so I think I got a question here, which is, are we to believe that she's a, she acts very Vulcan. Like, is she a Vulcan who is in league with Lieutenant Rizzo, who is a f- secret Romulan, by the way, we're back to secret things Ooh. on Star Trek. Secret Romulan um, is is the is Commodore O a secret Romulan, or is she just a Vulcan who is in league with the Romulans secretly? I oh. I interpret it as the latter, but I don't yeah. I don't think there's enough uh, like evidence to draw either way here. I I do want to say with this scene, there's nothing I'd love in TV more than a great villainess, and you know with Commodore O oh, and yeah. the other woman, we got we got two level <laughs> ten villainesses, and I'm not going to spoil it. But I went to the IMDb and immediately and saw how many episodes these two characters were in this season. I don't know how it's going to go, but I was disappointed. With 
of what I saw well, see, there. They don't so, know. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah, IMDb is not authoritative because yeah. they haven't seen the episodes either. So they don't. They oh, don't know. do they do that? So yeah. they update it as they come out? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't don't believe anything yes. you read on IMDb. Um, I, I, I will say. <laughs> That's I, a pro tip. I thought pro it was tip. a real um, nice pivot, too, because you're like, oh, this Admiral, I don't like her. And then she talks to the Commodore and you're like, oh, Admiral, poor Admiral. She's getting taken. <laughs> she's getting taken for a ride well, by the Commodore. The Commodore true. knows way she more. And, th- and that moment where she brings out Lieutenant Rizzo and she's talking to them and it's like, she knows way more than she was told on the phone, right? Like, she's bugged bugged the office or whatever mm-hmm. of that. She, right. she yeah. is completely on top of this. The Romulan team that came and and killed Dodge was an operation being run by Rizzo, who works for the Com- Commodore. Um, she gets kind of, like, dressed down of, like, you, you really screwed that up because I guess they wanted to take her alive. Well, they wanted to take Dodge alive so that they could they could uh, interrogate her because clearly the mission that everybody is on on this side of the conspiracy is where are these androids coming from? Like, they they really right. want to know. And so does Picard. But um, they are, you know, bad people who want to presumably they don't want to go and, and give them a hug. They want to go to find where the androids are being made and kill them all. <laughs> they want to give them a Romulan hug. Jason. Oh, which is murder. It's just yes, murder. Spitting acid on and, them. <laughs> and the Commodore says um, says to, to uh, Lieutenant Rizzo, her uh, Romulan with rounded ears, she says, um, if the need arises, I will take care of Picard. So she will take care mm. in that ominous way of Picard if need be. But, you know, you need to stay on your mission. Good. And th- th- this will lead us, you know, at some point uh, soon into the, the board cube part of this episode because she has mm-hmm. her best man on it. And that is uh, a character, of course, that we've already met. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. We didn't know was uh, up to no good, although we could assume. So what, before, why don't we just yeah. finish up with Picard and Got then we'll a couple, go to the board yeah, A couple more scenes here they're... that we should talk to. Um, we should talk about Alice... Uh, uh, Gerardi, the or not Alice, Agnes, the doctor, uh, the android mm-hmm. specialist. She comes to Picard's place and uh, is looking at an Isaac Asimov novel. And Picard says he's never really cared for science fiction. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Funny. <laughs> and then she gives us our our whole backdrop on like what the deal is with Bruce Maddox and and also backdrop on Dodge. Um, a lot of questions from last week of like you know did, was she raised by who was she raised by and what's the deal? And now we find out she is a fake identity created three years before. Never went to the school mm-hmm. that they said she. She did. She, you know, didn't seem to know this about herself, but obviously she, you know, she was as an android only created a few years ago and inserted into a human life, which is uh, intriguing. Yeah, definitely. And she was also in touch with her other half. It, it with seems, her sister, um, right? So they they, sister, they programmed yeah. that in that they were they were sisters. Somebody did a like a frame grab last week and found that on her little phone when she calls her mom that that the one <laughs> right. of her other favorites is her sister, but she didn't call her because uh, off planet. <laughs> Long distance rates are very Long high. It's very expensive. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. good. Peak time. Gotta go get the, the SIM card from very the expensive. Federation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is this is good. I mean, she's she's a kind of exposition character, uh, Agnes is, but I, I like her. I like that she's also the curious scientist who's the Federation has sort of ruined her career because they've outlawed all the things that she's working on. And so she's kind of inclined to help Picard <laughs> and find her yeah, former mentor. Mentor. I like, yeah, I like this character. Yeah. 
So how did both of you feel about the fact that you essentially introduced this character, you know, Dodge slash Soji, and, you know, she dies in the very first episode, it certainly looks like, and then magically has a twin, because of course, through this process, you you make two, if you're making one. Um, I like this character. I like the story overall. I just have to say it felt like the cheapest plot device i've ever seen it's, it's pilot syndrome just, it's right screams, where they introduce a character and you yeah. think that they're a regular and then they kill them and they go haha anything right. could happen and it's like well in the first right. episode anything can yeah it's i mean <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're setting picard on a path i i it's a little cliched i i i admit that and you know i guess they i think they were maybe a little more proud of themselves than they should have been about like haha we told you she would be playing dodge <laughs> but she's actually playing sochi a character you've never oh met God. like okay <laughs> Yeah, right. But it isn't like they, they kept that for a long no. time. Like it was, no, it was always part of the plan. One we knew. Yeah, and so I, I tend not... to be forgiving of, of things that were very clearly... It's, it's Yeah, it's not the same as like in season two, they kill her off. But oh, they, they, she has a twin. It was, like, it was always obviously right. part of the story. It's in the same episode. She was, she was made to be uh, the... The her death is the inciting incident, the thing that motivates Picard to um, solve the mystery of her death and her life and why she exists. And then meanwhile, she has a she has a twin, which gives him a, a little thread. You know, I thought it, right. I thought it was fine. It is it is technobabble, right? Because it's like, aha, but then <laughs> there are always two because of course there are. Like, okay, okay right. Right. data, be. data it, and lore it, it, were a match set, I guess. So, okay. See? It makes sense. It's just, uh, it's just you know, positronic brain science. Have, that's why the that that's way. why the Asimov novel is there. The one other scene that happens in this in this section of the plot before we move over to the board cube is uh, <gasps> is Picard does go to the person who he he can't go to Riker or Worf or LaForge because they would put themselves at risk and and uh, and the our, our friends the Romulans are like oh you need someone who hates you and has nothing to lose and he says I've already made the call <laughs> and we go out to Vasquez Rocks not playing an alien planet actually playing themselves for once and he takes a cab out there um a shuttlecraft cab (laughs) which i love and uh, he actually says taxi on the side i loved that and uh and she's like get out of here picard i don't want you here and he's like uh secret romulan assassins and she's like did you bring me wine (laughs) come on sit down and we don't know any more than that now but that's a great little scene where they're you know it's that it's a classic scene right like i don't want you here it's like oh but i could tempt you and it's like all right Come on. Oh, Picard. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I just bring out an assault rifle. You yeah. could literally hear assault rifle, like the, the, the sound foliage that they used yeah. for that. It's clearly like an M4, right? Yeah, with, and, with the, and it's also got the buildup, the like phaser buildup, where it's like, right. It's going to look like I'm going to zap you now, Picard. You're it's gonna... an M4 slash phaser. Yeah, M4 and phaser. I just, I'm thinking through her headspace. It's like, oh, I could go kill a famous admiral, but oh, 83 wine. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll take that. Oh, he brought like Chateau could, Picard. Oh, well then. That, that could indicate a level of enjoyment of wine that I personally uh, don't understand. You know, so. it's, 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 that old, it's that old trope, which is like, you know, I, I, I told you I hate you, but actually I love you, but I hate you. And it's like, no, but I need you. And it's like, no, I told you we'd never do this again, but of course we'll do this again. Like, I, right. it's, it's, one uh, last time. it's, yeah, one last time. Well, they're not going to make it if it's the one last time. One day until retirement. 
Um, anyway, that's, that's a funny scene. I'm sure we will just pick that scene up right where where it le- leaves off in this episode next week. I'm pretty sure yeah. that it will start on the the yes. But now let's talk about the artifact. The artifact. Oh. It's not a born oh. cube this anymore. Is so good. No, there's so much going on in this, in apparently the Romulan Free State. We don't know. We've talked, yeah. we've mentioned that. We don't know what it is, but Somewhere that's where in Romulan space, cube is. There is a deactivated Borg cube with Borg still on it. Uh, and, and like. And lots of Romulans. Yeah, we saw. And lots we, of aliens. Lots of, all lots, kinds. lots of people. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the impression we get, and they say that it's, um. Like they're they're turning a profit on this. It's like they've set up this research center, and people come from all over the place, including the Federation, to study the Borg. And the Romulans are making they own it and they profit from it. Is the is the line there? Some research fees. Yeah, and And apparently, like, don't go in the gray zone. It's been five thousand eight (laughs) hundred forty three days without an assimilation, but there are like Borg still around. There are some that are in stasis, but apparently there are some that are not. Um, it's just, we don't know a lot about it, but it's really kind of cool and creepy, right? Cause it's like a, it's right. almost like an undead, the Borg are already kind of zombies, but here we have like, they're trying to unzombify some of them, but they're also like still out there in, and you got to wear the little badge. Like it's a, uh, it's, I don't understand everything that's going on, but I, I think it's very atmospheric and, uh, and cool. That, that did you did you catch the sign that says it has been yeah, two thousand two hundred and something days without since an assimilation? Yeah. Here? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what yeah, it, it's great because it's like trading the Borg on an open weapons market, right? And it makes sense. These are the gritty details that I've always kind of felt short circuited by Star Trek about that. There, there's all these real world dynamics, like what happens to a ship after a battle? Like, is there salvage going out? How do, how do weapon sales work in the Federation mm. when they don't have money? And to see them like tearing over this incredibly dangerous thing for them to strip down technology and sell it that is it's just such an unbelievably cool concept i i just absolutely loved it also not to not to blow anyone's minds here but they're Mm -hmm. literally doing what the borg do right they are they are taking (laughs) the technology and assimilating it and they're learning from it and they're using it and they are they are giving them the old reverse borg i guess but it's like (laughs) that's but the romulans i i you you know There's science happening here, but also there's this desperation is the way I read it of the Romulans. Like we got to do what we have to survive. And if that means, yeah. if that means gleaning every, pulling out every copper cable from inside a Borg ship, we're going to do that because we have to. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And Borg ships are, Borg cubes in particular are gigantic. So it's just an interesting kind of set piece, right? To see how big it is and how they've probably only been to a very small part of it. Uh, and I like the kind of like the checking in and the badges and the, the very dramatic Romulan who I, one imagines gives <laughs> mm-hmm. the same speech every, every day. time yes, <laughs> with the same flourishes. Uh-huh. Uh, I also kudos to uh, the people who did the costumes in Picard. I think all the clothes that Kevin Picard is wearing are great, but also, uh, they have given some Romulans shoulder pointy shoulders, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, not as much as in uh, TNG, but it's still not the eighties. But yeah, still, exactly. Still a, bit, a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's good. And that that's that medical scene where they're like taking the arm oh. off the Borg and mm-hmm. stuff. Like this is the this is Brie. It's what you were saying about like the. 
the the next level ramifications of stuff that Star Trek isn't always comfortable with. And there's been some amount of body horror with the Borg, but like this is really interesting. Of like, well, we take we deborgify this Borg, and it's like we're we're basically ripping its arm off and pulling its eye out and leaving kind of like a hole to its brain in there. And it's like it's gruesome, but it is kind of a logical follow on to the whole concept and um and i like that it shows the kind of decency of soji here where she speaks to the 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 borg in another language and basically says you know now you're now you're free and she's upset that they call them the nameless and like she's trying to to personify these poor sad creatures where the other person is just like i got a got an arm here gonna sell this arm (laughs) See, I interpreted that as she has some connection to hmm. the the race that we don't know about. That's just too big a plot Maybe so. like, device to sit down. Oh, there's a species. We they have a name. We just don't know what their name is. And then she like forms this very human connection with the corpse. I, I, I don't know. I thought they were setting up a mystery. Yeah. Oh no. I I, oh. I think they're right like this is the implicit mystery in the show right now is like there's android stuff and the borg is around and it's like how are those connected like we don't know yet <laughs> like they they could be it seems like they could be but we don't really know yet and yeah i'm i am intrigued by the whole thing this is what i meant earlier about like it withholding information from us too is like i want to know more and, and the show's like uh uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> not yet you, we will tell you when we tell you yeah, so also exactly. on, on the artifact is uh our dreamy romulan uh narek is that yeah, his name narek narek yes who apparently uh is not all he seems to be or he's more yeah. than he seems to be one or the other <laughs> yeah well he's he's uh we revealed he's the best man of lieutenant rizzo the secret romulan he, he's her best man and little brother apparently um, and, and so it's revealed that he is on a mission. He has been sent there to find out. Again, it's not to get Soji like the mission to get Dodge. The mission is to find out where they're coming from. Where are these androids being made? Or as they say, have you mm-hmm. found the nest, she says. And very clearly, Narek's strategy is to befriend soji he does more than befriend her by the way i was gonna say Uh, there's a great he's like i'm I'm on top of it and his sister looks behind at the unmade bed and she's like yeah i can see that like yeah got it (laughs) but i get his strategy here which is um force didn't work with dodge right so he's going to befriend her and and get information from her and maybe even like use his relationship with her to follow that thread back to its source so he's playing a little bit of a longer game even though rizzo his his sister the secret romulan seems impatient right she's like you gotta you you gotta get moving here this is that's how the episode ends it's like this is gonna really reflect bad or bad on both of us and we're gonna get in real bad trouble if we don't solve this but he's he's committed to taking it slow being her friend being her lover and seeing where that leads although i will point out if you're if you're concerned that dreamy romulan might (laughs) just be a bad guy uh that conversation between his sister and the Commodore, it's pointed out. I forget who says it, but like, he is also a loose cannon. And I kind of like that. Like maybe (laughs) Narek, even though he's on this mission, like, can he be trusted to stay on the mission? I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm a little skeptical that maybe he's not gonna do what they tell him to do when it comes time to put 
the screws to Soji and like find out what he needs to know. And I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. too. Cause he is, yes. I would not take that bet that he doesn't do that. Oh, I, I think he's take that. Bet I don't know. It just, the, the fact that he's, he's going to go off script. I'm like, Oh, that could be interesting. Cause if he's the bad guy going off script means maybe he won't be as bad. Maybe he, or maybe he'll be worse. Who knows? But he's I, like, I, okay. I'm going to, I gotta say he's such a good looking actor. Like yeah. I sat there, I was watching it with my husband. I was like, wow, that is a really good looking no, guy. He, and then dreamy he Romulan. says it and then it's in the show itself. I just think, I think he's got leading man and I just, I think he's going to end up being very key to the series. Yeah. Uh, in oh, my for opinion. sure. For sure. I think, I just think he may be, he may turn out to be more friend than foe in the end because he's such a loose yeah. cannon to the bad guy. Right, yeah. Also, um, yeah. I talked uh, to some people. I feel, so last week, it was very clear to me. I was like, oh, so this guy read for Spock. And then they gave it to Ethan Peck because he, they look so, really? they look so similar. They look so, and, un- and, yes. And my, my, uh, my sources deep within the entertainment industry, they're not that deep within, uh, tell me that that is, is basically true <laughs> and that Harry Treadaway uh, read for Spock and then, and then the decision was made to have Ethan Peck be Spock and to save Harry Treadaway for Picard and use him here but you could tell like they're they they look a lot alike the these brooding handsome beardy pointy-eared people <laughs> wow what more can you want uh and there's a great scene between uh the dreamy Romulan and Soji where she basically you know they're really piling on the whole Romulans are secretive and so she's like well what do you do and he says well I do things I can't really tell you yeah. uh can you keep a secret yes I can too and you know and then she says just tell me one thing about you and he's like okay fine uh I'm a private person <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's great um, yep those Romulans oh they they never so never stop I, I- I feel like I've said so many positive things about this 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 episode. Can I can I offer a little bit of critique about yes, Picard overall, all, overall in the way I see it it going? So we've essentially got two Trek shows going at once, and you know I felt like Discovery started very very strong, and if you rewatch season one, the last five episodes are just flat out bad. And the ending is just flat out bad. And if you watch season two, it's got some really, really good points, but it's, it's uneven. And Jason, I keep thinking about something you, you said a, a while back when you were talking about Star Trek, like, oh, I want to do X with X. Like if you want to reboot something, you need to, to change the formula up and, and bring in something new. And they've, they've really taken for both these shows, it's almost the identical formula. They've gone with like straight bingeable, like Netflix slash 24 yeah. slash, uh, any bingeable series you've seen. And they're using that exact same formula. And I think it's a good formula for one of these shows, but when both of the shows have the same thing, I really hope that as as Discovery Season 3 comes out, I hope that I feel like the strongest episodes last season were the ones where they just kind of had a traditional TOS type adventure. Do you know what right. I mean? They go to a planet, they have some fun. The pla- yeah, like the planet I, with the weird church and they're like, what is this all right. about? And they solve a mystery. I, that and, wasn't yeah. the best episode itself, but it was a good formula. Yeah. And I just, I hope that these two series, like, I, I think Picard has more 
potential to be the really like highbrow drama series that you you tune into every week. And I hope that that will give Discovery the freedom to say, you know, we can be more of the whimsical TOS style, like Star Trek adventure of the week show. I just, I don't want to see them be mirror copies of each other, if that makes sense. Well, I, I, I think they're really different, but I, I, I think what I'm taking from your, your comment is, um, you know, we're talking about serialized, uh, streaming service kind of Netflix era TV, which is modern TV. And it's, and it, the standalone episode thing doesn't happen like it used to, but, yeah. While while I think these shows are very different because I think the pace, which is what I wanted to talk about, the pace of Picard is very different from the pace of something like yeah. Discovery. Um, I I think the you know there's a certain amount that they're going to feel the same because their shows being made in 2020, and that that sh- yeah. they don't make shows like TNG anymore, except for the Orville, which is just trying to be TNG. But generally, <laughs> shows from t- 2020 don't look like that um so so but i i get your point i also i really believe that um discovery not only did it have the burden of being um this concept that got changed and and the, the star trek wasn't set up yet at cbs and they were trying to set it up and then they had to they lost the showrunner and then they had to change the concept and all of that but i think it, uh, more broadly it bore the burden of being the Star Trek, the only, the right. one that came back. And now there's a whole like Star Trek office and they're making like six different shows and all of that. And my hope for discovery is that it doesn't feel that weight anymore and that it can be the show it wants to be and should be instead of having to be the standard bearer for all of Star Trek. And I, I because I think that, yeah. that that was part of the reason that, that discovery was uneven. I liked some of the parts you didn't like and probably vice versa, but I do agree that it was, that it was uneven. Um, um, and I do want, I don't want it to come back and seem like Picard, right? Like they, these, if they're going to make multiple star, live action Star Trek shows, they got to be different, right? They got to feel different. They should not all be extruded from the same factory. That's not, even if they've got an office and they got a writing team and all of that, like they should feel different. And I think the way that Picard feels the most different right now is the pacing, is the fact that we're two episodes in. And we're not really going anywhere in particular. And I know people have criticized it, but it's like, I kind of love it. I kind of love not having a show that is going to thrust forward endlessly every single week and that is willing to kind of like stop and meander a little bit. And it knows where it's going, but I'm I'm liking it. I don't know. I mean, Bree, I don't know how you feel about the pacing because I definitely heard no, from a lot I of people agree. who felt like episode yeah. two kind of just ends. And it's like, what? I, you know, it's like there's one thing to want more, but there's also one thing about like appreciating that it's going to, you know, take its time to get to the next episode. Well, I, th- I think you're talking about 2020 TV, and this is, I think it's very similar to Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, where they've got all, especially Breaking uh, Better Call Saul, where they have all these disparate elements, and they're throwing it out, and you're like, how do all these parts fit together? Like, we know Seven of Nine is going to show up at some point. We know he's going to get a ship at some point. How do all these parts kind of fit together in a whole? And it's that mystery coming together that I think is going to make the entire season come together. I have 
have more faith that at this point that Picard is going to be a coherent season overall than I do sure. that uh, that I did the Discovery mm-hmm. was going to be a solid season overall. I think the Red Angel plotline, I like Discovery, but I feel like it was just a tremendously clunky plot but, overall that does not well, hold up to a second view. And we know, we now know, I mean, not to get too far into Discovery, but we now know why they did it. Right. The entire season two of Discovery was just a a a plot engineered to get them out of the past so they didn't have to <laughs> grapple with old canon anymore which right. yeah. I, I i you know in hindsight i'm like did you have to make that your season arc though like uh, it just mm, great because it turned out that's all it was was just sort of like we need to manipulate <laughs> them to send them in. I, i'm i'm really interested in season three because that that burden is off too the burden of having to adhere to pre-tos continuity the burden of being the only live action star trek show like all of that's off and they can take their shot at being you know those characters are great do you know do the show that you want to you want to make um and it'll be different from picard picard i mean you could argue picard's got a burden too because picard's got the bird uh, burden of nostalgia for these characters and i wanted to point out that um, although some tng characters get named here there are no recycled actors in this episode right like this is just picard everybody else is a new character um, even David Paymer, who's from the Stargazer, but he's not not an old character. We they just invented him, and I know we're going to see, you know, Riker and Troy, and and we're gonna we're gonna see other other uh, TNG actors along the way. But um, it is a tough one because they you don't want to go too deep into nostalgia, right? They, they they were trying to tell a modern story. They're not trying to just do a nostalgia trip. Right. And I, but I also think one of the strengths of the series is it has been a really, 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 really long time since we've seen the overall plot of Star Trek move forward. I mean, you know, yeah. when you had Deep Space Nine on the 90s, you had the Dominion War. That was reasonably shocking. And then you had Voyager and you're like, okay, I kind of have a hint of what's going on at the Federation at the end. And then we had the, the TNG movies. And if you think about it, Nemesis came out a really long time yeah, ago. It's like 17 the, years ago, something like that. And we yeah. haven't seen what happens other than the Star Trek 2009 having the Romulan supernova. That's like right. literally the only data point that we don't know anything about what's happening in Star Trek. That's that's one of the things I like about Picard is that, it, it, like I said earlier, it withholds information because we all want to know what's happened to the, the, the world of Star Trek in the last 20 years. And it's like, well, maybe I'll tell you later. <laughs> Just be patient. We'll get to it. Yeah, I'm not patient. I'm not. Scott, how are you feeling about um, the pacing (laughs) of of Picard two episodes in? I am fine with it. I think that... So it's a show about a 70-year-old man. It's not going to be him running around. I mean, we saw him last uh, episode run and hide behind a bench when the action happened, uh, which is appropriate. Uh, (laughs) I think it it is telling a very different story than any other Star Trek we've seen before. Uh, Well, it's telling a very similar story, but using different tools and through a different lens, right? I I mentioned in last episode uh, Star Trek II, where Captain, uh, Captain Kirk was dealing with his age and that's what Captain Picard is doing. There's the the scene with the Admiral where she says, "I see before me a great, ma- a former, a once great man struggling to be relevant again, right?" And so that's what this is his his. And now he has a ticking clock where his he might be getting some degenerative syndrome, and so they're really piling on this whole mortality uh, 
and relevance thing and taking their time and it's you know it's in sepia tones and 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 uh so i i would be disappointed if it was uh every episode ended with some kind of uh shocking twist or uh you know uh patrick stewart putting on like a a, a leather pants and and <laughs> shooting people with a phaser rifle or something uh it doesn't and that's not really captain picard right the leather pants is captain picard but uh shooting people with laser uh, phaser rifles, except in first contact, uh, not really his his deal. Yeah, so I like it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to the rest of the season. Um, I'm, oh yeah, I, I'm loving it so far. It's uh, you know I I I think um, again some, some Bree you you called me out on saying like you know what's the, what's the show going to be about like if you've got five Star Treks that you're building you you got to be able to answer that question. You got to be able to say this show yeah. is is what it is because the show is different because and like i think with picard two episodes in we're getting a sense of what this show is about and it's still very much star trek but it's got its own pace it's got its own kind of sensibility the kind of story it's telling and um i'm 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 in i'm all in i'm i'm very happy I am with too. it i this is my favorite star trek so far we're only two episodes in um but i yeah i just um I have faith in where it's going, it, it, but it's also worth saying like discovery two episodes in that was the strongest start to any Star Trek I've ever seen ever. Like compare the first two episodes of discovery to any other Star Trek. And I, I think it holds up very favorable and it was not able to deliver the premise. So, um, you know, more like this. I just, I, I, I do worry that I don't love any of the characters yet besides Picard and maybe it's because we just haven't spent enough time with them. And I think it, it speaks to the, the nuance with which they're delivering them. Like, you know, there are some admirals that fall into some, some cliches, sure. But I don't really have strong feelings about any of the characters yet, the same way I did with Tilly. Like, I saw right. her, I'm like, I freaking love her. Or Bellana, I was like, I freaking love her. Or, you know, Data, I was like, wow, Data is amazing. We don't have a character like that yet. I hope we get that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. I think goes. that may be, you know, he, he's going to find a ship here, right? So I think maybe right. we're going to get <laughs> we're going to get some of that. But it's, again, taking our time. We're not on the bridge of his ship in episode one or episode two or probably episode three. So uh, that's uh, it's it's OK. Well, um, th- guess what? Next episode is called The End is the Beginning. So I don't know what that means, Ooh. but I guess we'll find out more about uh, Picard's uh Picard's plan to go back into space, um, and uh, and maybe they'll drink that bottle of wine too at Vasquez Rocks. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, oh, before we go, uh, New Mexico Tea Company, thank you for sponsoring us. TeaEarlGreyHot dot com. You get a deal. Please uh, check it out because uh, they're very nice and they sponsor us. And uh, you watch Picard. How can you not want to have some tea? That's what I said. That's right. Drink some tea. And Brianna, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I spend all day, like, my current job is terrible. So getting to talk about Star Trek instead of our current political situation, that's great. So thank you for having me. 